0: Hello and welcome back to the ASAP Weekly Age of Empires podcast. I am joined once again by Chris. How's it going, Chris?
1: Hello. Uh, yeah, I'm very well today. Um, I've, do you know what? I've not been on the game for a little while, so um, I'm, I'm definitely owed a bit of a stint tomorrow. We've also got a bank holiday in the UK coming up, so hopefully I'll fill a bit of time as well. But uh, hopefully a, a good chat today will, will get me inspired. I'm ready to go. How are you?
0: you? Usually the case. Usually the case. Yeah, so.
1: absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Yeah, we have have, uh, two topics to discuss in today's show. But before I get into that, um, I guess maybe some housekeeping. uh, Just to to keep ourselves, you know, kind of in order here. Um, One thing that I would like to say is I think I'm going to include the Discord link. So if anyone wants to join the Discord in case, you know, uh, there will be weeks off. Or uh, I know we aim for the show to be every two weeks. But uh, if there are weeks off, that's when you're going to know. It's going to be through the Discord. That's going to be the best way to find us. So I'm going to include that link. The second thing is... I would like to start doing more interviews. So if you know anyone who either creates AOE content, um, and then, you know, they don't necessarily have to be on a big scale whatsoever. Just uh, anyone who is kind of, you know, playing the game a lot uh, or high level or, or makes a lot of content or just wants to talk, is good at talking, wants to talk, uh, definitely reach out uh, to us whether it's through the twitter or through the discord uh, we'll, we'll we'll be glad to to get some kind of interesting perspectives on i think i think that'll be good for the show uh so yeah those are kind of the housekeeping things um and we're gonna we're gonna jump right into things here so you ready chris
1: yeah let's get going yeah happy to uh
0: so uh this is actually coming from uh caleb uh one of the uh Caleb Cal, I hope I got that right. Uh, one of one of our listeners who's in the Discord who asked asked a question, uh, um, posed a question, and I think it's good to go over because there's a lot of players surprisingly that that may not know the the particular thing. He was asking about dark and fetal age strats uh, and how to make the best of the early game. Um, and I think what we might do is in a future episode, Chris. I think I might I might get into actual particular strategies. All right, um, yep. but in this episode, I want to go over the fifteen. Um, the 15 uh villager opening and the reason i'm doing this is not as it's it's because a lot of i mean most strategies in the game kind of revolve around this because this has been mapped out people have been doing this forever so it's a very kind of base like a good way to get used to hockey's and your opening so you don't have to worry about uh falling behind early game uh so i think it's important to review but more interestingly to me is to see whether we do all the things that are in this particular video. So the video uh, that I'm talking about is a spirit of law video. Um, I'll also include that in the, in the link. So, so someone can go watch all the details as to why we're doing the things we're doing, but specifically today, I want to compare it to the, the, my specific games and whether I'm doing exactly this. Uh, So we're going to go through the opening, Chris, and we're going to talk about whether we do this regularly or whether we make some changes. All right. Um, And it's a good opening because it works for most civs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah you ready chris ready yeah i know I'm yeah yeah
1: absolutely yeah it's uh <laughs> it's it's pretty um i think even if if you go down the elos which is usually the area i'm representing in these chats um i think it's it comes down to execution rather than um sort of an absence of any any plan at all so i think most players throughout the kind of elos um, system will be in some way um Adopting a build order like this, or or maybe an amended one, but, but yeah, I would, it's, I'd even say on top of that, is, to even those who don't know about the build about order. Not...
0: Oh, uh, Chris is back. Sorry, Chris, I'm going to need you to repeat yourself. Uh, just just a moment, because uh, I I feel like uh, you disappeared and reappeared on me here.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I, I didn't realize it had dropped out, but uh yeah. So I, I was just saying that. Um, I think. Even for for all players at all standards, uh, it's worth having an understanding of the logic behind why each thing is done at each point. Uh, even mm. if execution's not always there, that might that's that's often a, uh, that's really the hindrance. But it's worth at least thinking about um, and getting that basic understanding of of what to do first and why. Um, it, it will save you time, even if you're not pulling it off perfectly. You will naturally um, improve your efficiency just by by kind of going following that line.
0: Yeah, and as with all RTS games, anything that happens at the beginning of the game is exponentially affects the rest of your game. So it's important to make sure you get the early parts right so you're not behind a whole bunch of resources. All right, let's start with the very beginning because surprisingly, this is the most... I wouldn't say where I deviate the most, uh, but but let's talk about it. So the standard opening is you have your three villagers. Most of us have three villagers, and you take two of them to build one house and the other one to build another house okay mm-hmm. and i already kind of looking at this thing realized that i don't necessarily do this okay
1: yeah i'm i'm the same i i, <laughs> I, I tweak it slightly um but yeah it's, it's the same concept but uh yeah what do you do i mean i'll, I'll go after what what do you do as a, as a sort of variation
0: i i do both villagers on the house is something that i slowly learned over time so that when i you know start producing a villager immediately it goes out properly right you need two villagers on one house so i started doing that but i would actually end up building the second house later um and i think this has to do with maybe this could even be like a different rts experience mentality where i'm always like let me build exactly when i need it um but it makes a lot of sense in the beginning because you already have a certain amount of food to build your first amount of villagers. So just not having to worry about it later on, I think it makes complete sense. What's your tweak? Or what's, yeah, what's well,
1: uh, it's, it's n- no major tweak, but I, what I'll do in, right from the get-go, I'll look at the map, see pretty much which direction. Well, actually, the very first thing I'll do, I'll press H-Q-Q-Q, um, which is <laughs> that get, gets your town center, hot, the hotkey of your town center, get those villagers queued up so that you're not wasting any time at all. Um, and then I'll I'll get um, I'll look at my mini map, see roughly which direction the enemy's going to be in, and I'll try and put two houses next to each other, but in a in a in a way that's going to constitute part of a wall. Um, mm. So I'll put them next to each other. I'll get both two villagers on one house, but as soon as the first house is up, um, you're not going to get pop capped. So I I then take one villager and put it back on food. So the sort of second villager is carrying on with the second less important house but then mm. it might just be a late, a convenience thing just having those two houses means you can kind of forget about it for for 10 villages worth of development so um,
0: yeah and i think this is the reality is as long as you're continuously producing villagers having that efficiency of having slightly more food doesn't matter right like yeah. when when does when does um being population capped or or not having enough food really matter it's when you can't continue to produce villagers because rts games are a game of economy um, and your goal, especially in this game, is to just have more villagers doing stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the biggest fear is, is uh, it's better to to get those houses out of the way. I feel because of the fact that you can then worry about um you, you don't you don't worry about it as quickly. Um, and as we'll see later in the build order, it actually um, does well. And this is another thing that I actually had to change my mentality of is the fact that. Uh, and once again, this is this is definitely a bad habit from from Starcraft. Well, bad habit is maybe maybe a little too far word, but I wouldn't queue, um, queue villagers, right? And this okay. is something that I've just recently started doing, right? Mostly because it makes a lot of sense. Uh, the reason for it is in you know, and this is mostly because of my my previous RTS experience in Starcraft. In Starcraft, you really have two two resources, right? Um. Mm-hmm. And so the same resource that builds your building is the resource that you use for villagers, right? Uh-huh. conflict so, of interest
1: then. Bit of a crash. yeah. So
0: in so in that game, building you know queuing up all those villagers means you're not building your your uh, tech your, your your army buildings or you know I'm not going to get into detail, but the point being in that game it makes a lot of sense because you don't want to disadvantage yourself and get behind uh, yep. tech wise what what technology you're developing, especially in a game like that where. Um, I think the game is designed to to have confrontation a lot faster, right? Yeah, um, sure. But in this particular game, it really makes no sense not to queue, right? Mm-hmm. You, you click that queue button <laughs> uh, because you want to make sure you're continuously producing villagers, as well as the fact that there is no other use for that food resource other than villagers pretty much through all of Dark Age, right?
1: Exactly. Unless you want to do some... Quirky early aggression involving militia, um, but
0: which which we may talk about. in... in yeah. I, I don't think I don't want to talk about this particular episode. But uh, to to uh to our listeners' point, who who suggested the question, I definitely in future episodes we're going to talk specifically about dark age strats. I'm going to look up a couple. We're we're going to learn about them. Yeah. and We're going to laugh at them a little bit. But
1: uh, You're yeah, right. It's, <laughs> it's certainly all about getting um villager production. I think that the one to six is the crucial um. But you need those those six on on the food days. But uh, yes, it's it's all about village and production at that point.
0: Um, and yeah, if if you want to look at the build order, I said I would include the YouTube video, but I've also kind of included the build order itself, pretty much. So if you want to take a look at it and just practice it a couple times, might be good. You know, hockey practice. I know we talked about hockey's before, uh, but getting used to which button you're clicking on your keyboard while you're doing these opening fifteen villagers and memorizing this build, um, probably great base to start with, right? uh just so you have more stuff and then whatever you do after that you know uh we can we can talk about the strategies in the future uh okay so so far we got we got our two 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 uh two houses and our villagers queued and the first six villagers are all going to go on that sheep make sure you're only attacking or only gathering from one sheep at a time that's important because sheep after they're killed they they lose food over time so you want to make sure you're not you know you're not attacking all of them you you uh you gather your food one at a time for one of the sheep one at a time. Uh, yeah. So that's the next six. I think that's pretty standard. Are you with me there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that six is is seen as the standard because it's it's just the rate of income you get. Mm. Um, that that's um, I guess for the for the cost of a villager, um, it just means that you're never not producing owing to needing food, and that that kind of percentage timer is always ticking away, producing your next villager. So six is the magic number to ensure that is happening at all times so yeah that's it you hit hit that six you're pretty sustainable for the next 10 minutes in terms of food
0: for sure for sure and then uh after that the seventh villager builds a lumber camp in the wood line um and then the next three villagers after that for a total of four villagers will all go on wood probably near that wood line so that's that's pretty standard um i i definitely um especially if, if i haven't played in a while have experimented with just having those first couple just clear out the the wood line that's like near your town center, um, Struggler trees. But yeah, but that that can be bad because then I completely mess up when I should build a lumber camp, and you need the lumber camp to age up. So <laughs> it's it's uh, or I mean, I guess you could build another building, but but um. Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some funny things some some wonky builds I've created uh by not not building that lumber camp. So this is good this is a good uh definitely opening standard to mm-hmm. have uh lumber camp be the seventh villager and then your four villagers on wood.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh any deviation from you here or you you still this is pretty much what you do?
1: Um not not really. I think as you say you end up um losing time all over the place if you you're in a nice luxury position in the, at the start of the game you've got a float of resources um nothing's really holding you back for the first few decisions so if you were to maybe make the wrong decision go for a nice to have stick yourself a nice barracks down um or something like that then all of a sudden you're going to be you're going to be really quite short um and i have done it occasionally i mean 100 wood isn't an insurmountable amount to to kind of get off grazing off straggler trees but um it is quite painful when you're you're kind of counting the seconds waiting for resources to come in so yeah you want to get that down as quickly as possible um often sometimes for me it depends on what i've managed to scout um i usually Mm. send my scout on a bit of a lap of the base to start with just to establish where's the best wood line maybe whether if there's some some berries or um whatnot and then you can go and get a few ideas early doors about how you might want to shape it um and it's it's always good to to ensure that your woodline is is a pretty decent one, rather than just maybe sticking the Lubma camp down based on one tree. Um, that yeah, makes sense. No, I, you need to you know, I think that's as a as ability gr- as possible.
0: For sure, I think that's a great point. That's something that we didn't mention because you know it seems pretty basic right now the, the 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 timing of of all those things. But you have to find those sheep that your villagers are going to collect right at the beginning, right? So the yeah. first thing you want to do is is have your scout go in a circle that slowly gets bigger. <laughs> like a bigger spiral um and and find your sheep find your boars Uh, that's definitely something that's happening Uh, as all this is happening bring bring your sheep towards your town center and then just have one be isolated and that can be the one that the villagers uh um butcher i guess if if i'm going to be totally honest here right uh and just send one of the little sheep towards towards the villagers uh one at a time um but yeah yeah, make sure your scout does that s- circle once you've kind of scouted your area I would then suggest especially for anyone kind of uh who's still learning the game just hit that auto scout let let your let your scout do its thing mm-hmm. uh, after that because I, I I think honestly especially as you're I would say for seventy to eighty percent of the players um letting your well maybe not seventy eight maybe fifty percent maybe fifty percent of the players uh you have so much things to focus on to make sure your uh, your build is going perfectly that you can just let your scout do its thing with the auto scout feature that they have. Uh, and maybe as you get better, you might send the scout immediately to find where the opponent's base is.
1: Yeah, sure. I think in, in terms of priority of your, your food sources as well, um, diversifying your food income is important as well. Um, so the the sheep, obviously, that will they start with you. Uh, so that will guarantee you... Um, access to food right at the start of the game but identifying those boars is really essential both because they have a lot of food in them they're 350 each Um, but also the actual rate of gather is faster so you can Mm. hit a really nice kind of groundswell of, of food income which bridges you over a bit of a transitional phase when you know when you might be wanting to invest in a little bit of military you might be looking to save up resources to go into the next age as well and at the same time you're you're hammering your town center so um, when things get a little bit more complicated you do want to have as much easy access food as possible so scouts first job um, other than that orientation is to locate that first bore for me and then I, th- I find sometimes if I'm feeling a bit aggressive and again this is one for another episode but and then if I can find that first bore quite easily I'm quite minded to send my scout just forward to the kind of mirror opposite end of the map <laughs> and you never know you you might end up picking up Contentiously picking up um, a, a sheep or two if they've not found their mm. outer sheep. So um, that's a, another one. It's a bit of an ethical one, but uh, <laughs> get, when the when the fog of war descends in these uh, one on ones on the ladder, then anything goes. Really, I think so.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Remember, ethical considerations must must also uh, take happen uh, happen in, in a game of war. Of course, of course. How, yeah. how dare you be stealing? Uh, you don't want the, the UN after
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> gotta be, uh, you know it's got to be done properly
0: um okay that's great um yeah so quick recap where we're at so uh beginning your three villagers uh two of them build one house one of them builds the other house uh you build six villagers uh, you, you get you get to a total of six villagers so three extra villagers uh from there and have them all on sheep then you build a lumber camp and four lumberjacks uh or lumberjills um after that your next villager will get the boar, all right? So what ends up happening is, you know, hopefully your uh, shepherds, your six shepherds that you had from the beginning of the game are, are pretty much done uh, with that. So your that 11th villager, I guess, is going to get the boar and drag it towards the town center. Uh, and then the other six will attack it. Uh, and then you'll hopefully have seven of those villagers on the boar. There's a math thing that makes seven be efficient for boars or while well, six is good for sheep. I don't know. Uh, after that... <laughs> Uh, next villager will build the house immediately after the mill. Um, and then your next four or three, three or four villagers, um, will go towards that mill. And that's kind of the standard of standard openings. How do you feel about the mill?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I like it. Um, I think it's, it's important. You need, you need to, to get one down. Obviously that's going to unlock farms for you as well. Um, it's important to maximize all of your, your herdables and grazables, huntables and stuff like that. Um, what is another is it's often seen as a bit greedy um, and can lead to you not exploring as much of the map. But if you, there's, there's always um, deer or, or, or zebras or whatever kind of um, uncontrollable animals um, around. So, one thing you can do is if you've got, uh, if everybody's working, you've got no idle villages and you do have a bit of spare sort of clicking time, if you will, then you can always, um, patiently get your scouts to usher the animals towards the town centre. And then that, if you can snag a couple of deer that way, either getting them towards your mill or towards your town centre, that can, that can add a little bit of easy access food to the kitty, um, but yeah, the, the mill, is it's um, it's obviously important. Uh, berries, I think, have a slower gather rate than other sources. So I'm always mindful to to not go for those so quickly. But I mean, you need to just make sure there's a smooth transition from having too many farmers for sheep to, to no, sorry, too many uh, shepherds. shepherds for sheep um, and then going into those. And sometimes I even quite like throwing a farm or two down, even early doors, just to kind of get a nice, Smooth integration with the berries collection as well it means the berries last a little bit longer um
0: yeah that yeah. that one's tough because I feel like there's definitely for me like it feels like there's the pre farm there's almost like in the dark age there's the the agricultural revolution happens you know for me it's exactly. like yeah. we're we're gathering berries or right? we're a hunter gatherer society mm-hmm. and then then right right either right before I click that dark age button or right after um where're where agricultural revolution happens for me and uh we build a million farms. <laughs> that's yeah. usually what ends up happening with the, with the, uh, with the boar hunters, the shepherds who had become boar hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think uh, I, I thought this was interesting to go over this. Cause I think everyone should know this opening, right? If you want to deviate that, that that's fine. That's great. Um, but I think especially for new players, it's like, yeah, just spend some time clicking using the keyboard instead of clicking on, on the, on the villagers, get used to your, your hockey's learn this build. And, and it should be a good start. Should be a good start uh, to, to help you uh, help you just have more stuff early on. I think, I think, you know, I, it it would feel very disingenuous for me to be like, you know, Oh no, this build is bad because this is something that I would, I'm pretty confident that someone who's played the game significantly longer than I uh, has kind of, uh, you know, curated yeah. as, as a mm-hmm. good, as a good standard opening for pretty much every Civ. Uh, with some exceptions but but I mean if you're if you're playing I think it was uh, Chinese or Mayans I believe I may be wrong on the second one but there are some civs where there'll be slight differences just cuz sometimes you'll start with more villages sometimes you start with less um but in general this is a great opening um for for you so I hope you take that away and kind of you know consider some of our scouting and and other tips uh to be helpful
1: yeah ab- absolutely I mean it's you don't have to take any anything on but it really will get you off on a strong footing and 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 I guess to not have a a plan in place will it will mean that you may be at an unnecessary disadvantage so um just I guess look at it that way if the other guys going to be doing it and finding efficiency uh, and obviously it's it's about positioning your buildings as close to the resources as possible um so that 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 walking time is a bit of a penalty as well so um, but it's definitely worth getting a, a build order that you're comfortable with, and sort of happens instantly because the the more um, automatic it is, then the more time you've got to think about other things, notice things about the map, decide things you might want to do with strategy in the next stages, and things like that. So,
0: for sure, for sure. And uh, oh, well, maybe you know what this? If you're completely new to the game, here's my suggestion. First of all, if you want to play ranked, probably lose your first ten games. Just just go out, lose them. Uh yeah uh and then well just because just the mmr doesn't start low enough i feel personally but anyway um uh you're probably gonna end up losing a bunch of games in the beginning because you're playing against people who probably played a lot more rts than you but once it kind of you regulate you start winning some games um have fun enjoy the game and then when you kind of get fed up of of staying at that rank you want to actually progress uh, you can maybe learn the build order. And the reason I say this is because I think there is some kind of magic, especially when you're playing RTS for the first time, of trying to figure it all out on yourself, even if you get completely destroyed. Um, so keep that in mind, right? Have fun with uh, the beginning phase of just trying to figure out what hockeys are and, and just trying to make units uh, and coming up with terrible strategies. Have fun with that. Play that in the lower elos. Enjoy that. And then I think if you once you want to step up to that next level, you can start looking at these specific build orders that, that's my feeling at least on it
1: yeah i agree and a lot is said about um it's obviously you're limited in what you can do in the early early part of yes, the game yeah. and it's, it's quite linear uh in that there's things that you should do and you know the the sort of strategic kind of deviance has come a bit later on um but uh i actually find it a really enjoyable part of the game because it is about just getting it down as, as quickly as you can and um and really setting yourself up for, for whatever you've got in mind. So, so if you can get little advantages here and there, it's it's kind of a closed skill. Um, you're not really having much interference from your opponent at this point. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, kind of a nice thing to do. And then once you hit that, maybe that, that feudal age button, that's the breathing space that you have where, you know, you, your food will start to stockpile because you can't make villagers, and that that's where the creative stuff can happen.
0: For sure, for sure. I think next week we'll we'll talk about some potential dark age strategies. The only problem with the dark age is, in most cases, if someone just garrisons their villagers in their town center, they can fend off any any serious attack. Mm, um, yes. If if anything. The only way you'd win in Dark Age is you make them stay in the town center for extended periods of time because then they're not gathering resources. And then that's that's a win condition in itself. But you're not gonna really be destroying buildings in the Dark Age.
1: Exactly. Um, this it's like um <laughs> the the kind of returns you get from attacking buildings uh, is is just awful. Buildings even villagers so <laughs> militia, Yeah. I mean militia are pretty much villagers themselves. They're not brilliant. Um, so it's and also one thing that's worth noting is the scout actually mm. doesn't win in fights early doors so it, it actually <laughs> it levels up it, it in of itself regardless of other upgrades and things when you go into feudal age so if you're trying to attack villages with scouts and they're hot to it then you're really not gonna um you're not gonna win um so i think it's designed to to make for kind of a placid period where everybody can establish themselves but um yeah it's not the one the aggression that early on i don't think
0: yeah for sure for sure okay uh yeah, we'll we'll kind of table that. I think that'll be a good starting point us kind of looking at every specific age, every specific strat, maybe combining it with some standard build orders as well. So that whole build order along with the YouTube will be in the in the in the kind of show notes. Uh so feel free to, you know, copy paste that uh and and practice it or or go watch the video. It's very informative. Um so you have you have a good good base into the game. Uh let's step into our second topic. I know I've I've talked about this a lot, but I want to really focus this one on Chris specifically, because I know I've talked a lot about what I want. Actually, it's interesting, because I think what I think makes a good RTS is not necessarily what I think makes an accessible RTS to a lot of people. So yeah, I sometimes, two different
1: things, aren't they? Two very yeah, different things,
0: yeah. I sometimes argue for, for simplicity for the sake of bringing in more people, because uh, I think that's good for the genre. But yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean I think the game is better. But Chris... Let's start with you. What do you think
1: makes a good RTS game? Um, Okay, there's there's obviously a lot of factors feed into this. Um, One that I think is quite important, if you look at other game types, um, things that make people feel invested in a game. Um, So if if you were, say, playing a first-person shooter, Medal of Honor, something like that, or Fortnite or whatever you've got a character that you can really buy into and even as you say in in things like uh StarCraft you have a lot of cutscenes so you've got a lot of scope for developing an affinity with a character there's that human connection which we all need and naturally we we see ourselves in people we might you know there's an element of escapism we want to be that person i think that's that's an important hook for those kind of games um, the problem that you have with RTSs is that you're not really a single person, um, but you still need to have that kind of emotional hook. And I think for me, that's about wanting to be there, wanting to. If you need to have a lush environment, you need to have an interactive environment where you can interact with your map, uh, and it actually means something. But it needs to look visually stimulating. So mm. you know, you, you want to see lush, uh, lush seas and beautiful beaches and lush palm forests and things like that. And I remember in my early days of things like Age of Empires, I was very visual with it. And so I, I'd, I'd, in my head, I'd be like, do you know what I fancy? I fancy, it wasn't about build orders or strategies. Then it's like, I, I really fancy making an amazing Mayan settlement in the middle of <laughs> a, a Yucatan forest. And that whole visual aesthetic, when they, those mesa were brought in was really good. I really enjoyed that. And, uh, you need that sense of buy-in so that it needs to feel that you you want to be there. And it's a, it's a place that's visually stimulating. Um, so I think that's an important thing that the, the maps and the colors look lush. Um, so, so that's, I think that's a key thing. Um, the actual mechanic of the game needs to be simple as well, because I think as I touched on in a previous episode, I think, a lot of the game itself is just a, a vector and a connection point between two people, two humans having a strategic battle or you against the AI or whatever. So the game itself is the kind of intermediary. You don't want to be having to think about complicated button sequences and where to find things because mm. that breaks the, the the tension and the immersion of it. So it needs to be easy to navigate, easy to to interface really, so that if you feel something in an instant, you can bring about an outcome in the game without having to have, um you know, used your, your non-instinctive brain, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So simplicity is key. Uh, and I think, you know, if the game can pretty much work with two, the two buttons on your mouse and, and it's directionality. Um, I think that's a good starting point and what you should be aiming for. Hot keys obviously makes things more efficient, but it shouldn't be essential. And I know that if, if the dynamic of age Empires required hotkeys to actually work at all um i know that would have been very off-putting for me at the start mm, and... interesting
0: that that is interesting because i think
1: mm.
0: i think if if a game was simplified enough you could have like two hot like you like every building has like one or two hockeys you're worrying about instead of 50 right what's one yeah. of the most i guess off-putting things sometimes is like you look at the villager and it's like well there's there's uh there's nine different hockeys to remember <laughs> right yeah or even yeah. more uh so i think if there's I, th- I think hockey's the the reason why i've never really had a problem with hockeys i mean once again i i, I had to learn them i was frustrated with them in the beginning is because it does provide efficiency over the long run right if i had to click everything with if i just played the game with a mouse i don't think it would be as fun of a game right i think the amount of stuff you could do would actually be diminished yeah um, and and there'd be a lot of annoying clicking so i don't mind hockeys but i think i think you have a point that 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 sometimes having hockeys be something that's like a barrier of entry um and especially the more complicated they are like it shouldn't take you two months to memorize all the hockeys or a year even like, I'm going to be honest. I, d- I don't remember all the hockeys. It's a good thing. It's a grid layout. Cause I can kind of memorize it that way. Um, Definitely. But and I think but if, you, I th- if you can get, yeah,
1: mm. carry on, sorry. Carry on.
0: No, but I, but I think in general, like simplified hockeys, things, things that are like having, having every building have slight, like you can have more options with your buildings, but having every building has slightly less options is generally a good thing, right? Yeah, um, I think so. so.
1: I mm. think it's, it's, um, as I say, like it, it breaks the um, instinctiveness. If you're having, I even think in Age of Empires, the, the the if you look at the actual, say if you click on a military unit, uh, you have quite a clustered series of buttons. <laughs> if you to, I mean, this this is only I think Age gets away with it because these are only hardcore strategic things, which make their marginal gains, their small differences to, to say whether you're patrolling uh, units or just clicking them in. Yes, it's better, but you're only going to be concerned with that when you're more of a pro and you're probably quite happy with the hotkeys anyway i'm gonna be honest though i i i think
0: i think they could have three buttons max for most of the military units if your military unit has special like abilities okay you can have like one or two more but if you have more than three it's
1: it's a little much (laughs) yeah yeah
0: (laughs) Especially with how wonky the AI is sometimes with AoE too.
1: I almost think, and this is a very specific point, but you know how to to kind of right click uh, a group of units to go somewhere. Uh, they kind of blindly ignore everything and just go to where you've told them to. But actually, the the thing that is more commonly used is to patrol. So I almost think they should swap it over. In that you should the right click should be patrol, and you could almost have a special additional button for blindly go over there. I think that's less useful. And if you're going to be walking past a load of enemy units anyway, the chances are if, you're, if your guys are just sort of storming off to the corner that, where you've sent them to, they're not going to survive that anyway. So um, I think a, a few things like that, the key functions should be more obvious and any the more nuanced ones should be hidden away and not Interesting. Sort of complicate things. I don't know what you think about that. I don't know whether you could actually do that within your own hotkeys, but I know well, that I'm well, still a noob and right-click too much, and it's only no. when I'm really on, on the ball that I patrol units around. I
0: I don't think you're doing it wrong. I think that's what every pro does. Mm. Um, I think the better you are at the game, the more you want to have individual control of your units. So yeah. I, I actually... Patrol is a good one, though. Patrol is a nice kind of... Like quality of life thing but the reality is I think as you get better at the game it's the people who are going to win are going to be the ones that can control their units the way they want them to so have the ability to click specifically okay. um, and on top of it um, they they then once they have the control then they make the right decisions as, as to how to engage the fight right yeah. um, I, I, th- I think you make a good point that well, here's my point. I actually think AOE2 specifically has too many things you can do with just a standard unit. And I understand the idea of it cuz it's a very fancy like tactics, formations, blah blah blah, but um it it's at sometimes it's just clutter, right? I agree. Uh,
1: I think it's it's <laughs> it's less about the strategy and, and how to win a battle is not about which of those buttons you press. It's about how you as a human apply your brain to bring the right soldier to the complementary enemy soldier at the right time it's it's more about how you bring the units to the battle rather than which buttons what formation they're in when it happens so the the value is is very small for for the sake of 12 buttons which which kind here's, of it. here's my point
0: okay Th- these are these are these are the following hockeys that should associate any standard unit okay mm-hmm. you can have hold position where units will not chase they'll fight within the range and then once that uh, opposing character runs away runs away so you can have aggressive stance and defensive stance okay you can have those two all right i'm okay with that um mm-hmm. although i could even argue uh that we can get rid of the aggressive stance and what do i mean is instead of an aggressive stance we can have an attack move which essentially is in the game but yeah um if you attack move it's going to do aggressive stance things if you're right clicking and you have hold position it's going to just hold position and then you can have a patrol and you can really have those three yeah, so that's I my guess. argument i i think i think that's you know i, I think you can tweak it but instead of an aggressive stance just have an attack move button which which the game does have um it, it, i i believe it's usually r i believe so uh the, the the that's the hockey for for attack move um so attack move defensive stance or or whole position in quotes um and patrol those three should be the only hockeys i feel and then anything on top of that is special moves so um, if uh, if you want your onager to destroy some trees, right? You might have to click a yes. button, or or yeah. if you uh,
1: even so, like so background that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, even even the. Uh, <laughs> I'll be very honest, like even the priests and monks in the game.
1: Drop relic as an example.
0: Like you shouldn't even ha- you don't you shouldn't even have hockeys. I'm gonna be honest, like you should just right click the relic and it picks it up, right? You right-click your own unit, it heals. You right-click a opposing unit, it tries to convert.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it does, that's, and that's that's <laughs> it does that. Eyes, just that's... there should be a hockey related to. It. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you can make the game work just with a mouse in in that regard, which is which is a good thing for entry to it, which is good.
0: Well, um, my my point is, at that point, it's redundant,
1: right? I don't have a mm, problem with hockey's
0: yeah, yeah. if if your unit is moving around standardly and then there's like a third option you need, right? That's essentially when hockey should kick in. But if you have hockeys that you can already just do by right-clicking, then they're already redundant, so they might as well not exist. Yeah. Um, anyway.
1: Exactly. I-, I completely agree. I think there is a button for Drop Relic, which for me if say let's just say i, I guess you kind of know one <laughs> like, well if you had like loads of knights just all of a sudden charge across you and you're like okay well i'm clearly not going to get home with this relic so let's just try and start converting someone you're not slower when you have the relic so you mm. i think if you if you had the relic in your hand and then you just right click to knight to try and convert ah. it, it could also automatically drop the relic i, I, I don't i right. can't see any benefit to dropping the relic and not doing something that a right click could have done you anyway so again I I feel well, I, I see your point I d- I don't think there's much of a need for for these um um the buttons and th- things like is there, isn't there an option to delete unit a, a button to delete the unit as well like, other than pressing delete on your keyboard or option so, to do something like that i mean so that's a necessary button
0: I I think it is a necessary button and here's my reasoning okay there's two reasons oh. all right one yeah. I think it works more for buildings when you trap your units behind a building.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there's a need for delete on the keyboard, but uh, I think there's. I think there's also in that kind of cluttered bottom corner. Oh, it's in the
0: a... hockey. Yeah. No. I it it should be.
1: It's like a skull to like die. Or no,
0: no, no, like that. no, no. The hockey for delete should be the delete button on your keyboard. And you have to physically move your hand over. All right, you have to yeah. accept that you've done something terribly wrong, and you're going to put your hand away from the grid, and you're going to click
1: that delete button. <laughs> That's your penance. Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> but it shouldn't be possible accidentally either. And I think it's good that it is so far away from from the normal stuff.
0: Um, okay. Is there any? I know this is great. This is great. I think you made a, some great points. Um, I think you are a little more against hockey's than I am, but. I think that simplicity and definitely redundancy uh, could be eliminated in a lot yeah, of cases, right? I,
1: I think, yeah, to be fair, if you're a level where you're going to start using, because there's the, there's the buttons that you mouse click, and then there's the hotkeys. And if you're at a point where you're going to be wanting those advanced functions, um, you know, you're probably going to know the hotkeys anyway. I would quite like to see a, something where you can toggle all those busy buttons on or off. Um because I still am in a position mm, where if I need I agree. to do it I'm, you, mm. you know if you end up having to ghost your mouse over each one just to ensure you're choosing the right one I'm still kind of at that level um in terms of those advanced functions um
0: I but, completely uh, agree at this point in RTS right I think a developer could could say here is the starting layout right mm-hmm. and just get rid of things that don't need to be on the screen right yeah have it as simplified as you possibly can without getting rid of any any like crucial functions but have certain things like certain things disappear uh yeah yeah a hundred percent i i agree with that or just, even just yet, so you
1: might have to hover your mouse over it over a, a smaller button to allow those to pop back up and then you can kind of flick into them that way yeah um, just like you just have your options for map on. right for yeah the map. Mm-hmm. yeah that kind of thing um, I think I've got one one other point as well, just on, on my okay. ideal RTS things as well. And it's kind of a bit of a, you have to bear with me, it's a bit of a reverse engineered point. But so, Go for I, it. I don't know if, if these games have travelled the world, but obviously, as a soccer mad nation that the UK is, I had uh, a football game very detailed called uh, Championship Manager or Football Manager. And it's, it's a great game. It allows you to do, like, you know, win, the, win all the cups and do all the great things and, and put your own stamp on a team and do all the things. But it's very complicated and it's very data driven. Um, but one thing that really irritates me about it, and despite being a massive football fan, the thing that's put me off playing it for the past 10 years or so, um, there's no clear cut way of knowing that some of the, the, the tweaks that you make to, to how your team is set up or whatever, you've got no way of knowing. Whether they've been a positive thing, whether they've been worthwhile mm. doing or not. Um, so, for instance, there's a you could you, they have the the training, the the way the players train is just set to sort of default, but you can actually go in and you can say, okay, well, I want this guy to spend more time working on free kicks or working on offside or do this, do that, but at, at the expense of other things. But the way that the game works, because it's all in like macro results in like how well your team's done you've got no real way of knowing whether those tweaks and modifications have been worthwhile um hmm. so for me um trying to think that that through and back to apply to rts games that that level of frustration at never knowing whether I'm a genius or whether it's not worked um i think the game has to be um intuitive and clear in in how how to best play it and and whether things are um important or not if that do you don't can you see what i'm trying to say i Um. i
0: think if like for instance right as i play this game there's a lot of things that i discover and you know some people can relate it to the skill ceiling Mm. but you know we just you know we spent the first 20 minutes kind of explaining an opening build order Mm. um and i think over time you might start to to get close to that but i don't think it's intuitive right I don't yeah. think the standard build order is intuitive, right? The game doesn't really lead you down that path. Um, it, it's not only does it feel like pretty much this is the most efficient build order, right? That you should use. Mm-hmm. On top of it, it's not very easy to figure
1: out. No, if you don't know is, anyone it's else, based on logic, though, isn't it? There is there is um, a quite a a clear game mechanic whereby you know you know that food rots over time you know that it it wastes time if your villages have to walk therefore getting whatever animals under your town center be it boar or deer or whatever is is worthwhile i think at least there's a logic there to to understand that the way that you're accruing resources is being done well and efficiently Um, whereas i I found that in some games it's a little bit um unclear as to what Mm. the the impacts are of some of the decisions that you're you're given there's no point in having options to do things if it's if there's no clear outcome from it but i i get your my, my, point it mm-hmm. is it's not um we're not not pointed to it by the game it's, it's very much a kind of micromanaged um sort of community driven thing isn't it these build orders
0: yeah yeah and i i guess i guess that's a fair point right is that sometimes you don't want to have this feeling of like i don't know what i did wrong right mm-hmm yeah. Um and for me, like when it comes to AoE2 specifically, I see that the most in fights. Right? Mm. Uh especially if you have like very even fights or or maybe you're slightly behind or slightly ahead, and then the result is completely not what you expected. Um there's some general ideas like you know being on a hill or or you know, certain advantages between unit types. Um but there are some fights where I'm like I there was just a lot of units. And I just fought and
1: <laughs> Yeah, it just kinda of happened. And you're you just a, a victim of the moment sort of thing.
0: And and yeah. it's 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 a little frustrating, but I think it has to do a lot with, you know, yes, maybe some of these things are things I learned in the future. Um, but I think I think especially when, when sometimes like controlling the units is a little wonky in AoE two. Um yeah. it can it can make it feel like I think a lot of the time it's much better that I do only the bare minimum micro, like you know, uh I guess avoid onager shots and and keep make sure to keep my castle alive and make my trip and protect my trebuchet. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the bare minimum. But everything else, sometimes there's a fight. And I'm like, unless I'm running away because I'm losing this fight, I'm just not touching it. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, you just got to let it do its thing. Because if you if you send too many instructions, then the pathing path can go a bit mad and cost you any benefit you would have got from the micro. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I think um, that's a key thing as well. That that kind of um that those game mechanics need to it needs to be almost a meritocracy in that if you've say had a really good build order a really clean game you've been able to get to a point where you've got a bigger army than them at that stage of the game you need to be in a position where that can work and um silly things that are to do with the mechanics of of mouse clicking and logistics of whether a guy wants to walk around a tree or not (laughs) um, or can't decide which enemy he wants to fight so does neither that those kind of things can really get in the way and break the immersion and break the kind of the whole the whole jeopardy and balance of of what you're trying to achieve by creating this this kind of economy.
0: Um. Yeah, I, I find that so fascinating because I, I completely agree with you, right? Um, mm. But the the this the the success of Brood for instance, is actually found in the AI pathing. So right. the the way the players approach the game is that this AI is completely messed up and it has a million bugs.
1: <laughs> and getting
0: yeah. better at the game involves understanding how certain interactions work.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yes. Uh,
0: so that's that's his own thing. But I think that is not what most people look for in RTS is no. let me find bugs in the game and then exploit them.
1: <laughs> but... No, but it makes them more, more, um, more playable. It keeps them relevant. And I, I'm happy that AOE have spent a bit of time recently
0: Developing
1: mm. the AI to be more realistic, to replicate strategies that are actually going on, the way that they say you shouldn't have to, to fight against system. it. Yeah, <laughs> you
0: should, you, should, you should be able to click and, or most of the time, do exactly what you intended to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you, you do get, um, you still get it occasionally where the enemy will just be trooping in single file, a huge army that would crush you in an instant, just trooping it across the map. <laughs> and you're, you're standing there with 10 longbowmen and you're taking them out one by one by one by one. And it's a bit silly. And that's, that's not really what the game's about. And it makes me realize like, am I actually, is this a waste of my time? I'm just manipulating a computer that doesn't know any better. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah it's um i think that's like pathing things like that need to be right for it to to work well um i think i've got sorry to push forward again but i've got one of the one of the point that I was considering yeah for um, sure. so is it a comparison i don't know if you ever played a um empire earth back in the day i i did
0: play some empire earth yes
1: yeah i mean me and me and friends really enjoyed it but i actually found that it was less balanced than aoe um and the reason was the resources um You'd find like a pile of iron ore or, or stone or whatever. And you've got like, you know, 500,000 um, value of resources there. So you just stick, stick some guys on it. Um, and they can, you can basically, it feels like you've got unlimited resources just off one or two stone piles. So I think it's, it's important to ha- make the, the resources scarce enough so that you need more. There needs to be that level of interaction with the map whereby Mm. if you don't explore it costs you and if you do explore it rewards you um if you're able to sit on your laurels having and again i I played a lot of the settlers back in the day because i really liked the way that the economy worked and logistics actually happened you had your guys actually have to carry the items around there's no sort of god stuck pile of resources and i really like that um but similarly with that you'd get your you you'd, you'd find some mines you, you basically you have these like mountains you scout out where the resources are and then you stick a mine on top and as long as you feed feed the miners then it felt like you had nigh on unlimited resources that did eventually run out but i think that balance is really important to 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 require exploration and to 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 pull you in the direction of of not just camping out and just building up a solid base you've actually got to there's rewards to doing things in a timely way and taking a few risks as well that's that's key and that interaction with the map and that buy-in with the map is is quite important i think
0: yeah i completely agree i'm I'm with you here uh all right i think i mean surprisingly enough i think i think I, i think i gave chris enough time to actually get through all some major ideas here rts ideas um and i don't think i'm I'm exactly on the same page on all of them but i think there's a lot of them that i agree with and definitely have made me think so um i definitely hope our listeners enjoyed kind of hearing chris's take on it yeah i'm Um, I'm
1: definitely not saying that i'm definitive on that because i know you you have played a lot more rtss recently whereas mine were mostly in the foggy past of my early teens so um, i'm very much an aoe Single tracker well, these days. So um... I,
0: I will say though, I think this is where it is completely subjective, right? Yes. You know, I I think I think there's stuff that could appeal to more of an audience, but I'm actually very curious what our listeners think of uh, when it comes to this type of thing. What do they look for in an RTS? Right? What are the where when they're playing the game? What's the most fun that they have? What are the things that make it the most fun? What are the things that are most frustrating? Um. And and uh, yeah, if you join our Discord and want to send us there or send it to our Twitter um, definitely feel free to do so. Uh, uh, interesting to hear some takes on this. Uh, but thank you. Thank you, Chris, for, uh, sharing all those things. Um, there's a couple other things that you made me think of as we were going through. Um, but perhaps we'll leave it to another day, you know, we'll leave it to another day. Uh, to yeah, talk sure. about. Yeah, sure. I need I to, you, wanna...
1: uh, whether it's online or offline, I want to pick your brains as well. And, uh, Consider a few things myself on that. Um, that I'm might be sure, good. I'm sure you've got some very good <laughs> input on that, that. exact same topic. So uh, sorry for just shouting at you all. <laughs> no, all, no, no. It's
0: it's good. I, 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 I think uh, yeah. The next time we do something like this, I think it'd be good to have you ask me some of the questions. Um, because I think sometimes if I'm not asked questions, then I kind of go all over the place. So it's good. It's good to be focused in on uh, on specific questions, and maybe I can give some of my thoughts there. Uh, yeah, sure. But yeah. I think we're gonna we're gonna close our show out here. So thank you all for listening, um, the continued support, which is just amazing. Uh, the amount of people that are listening, I'm I'm always always uh, thankful and then grateful for all of you. So uh, we hope to see more. If you want to support the show, listen, just tell other people about it. That's really it. Uh, yeah, for myself from from Chris as well. I hope all of you have a great week. Uh, we'll see you um, usually within within two weeks.
1: Uh, and yeah,
0: have a good one. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.